Well, how many of you have, have had uh, interesting times? I noticed some of the women have, have shared different times when they've gone to work with one color shoe and the other was different color and they looked down in the shoes three hours after being at work and realized they don't have matching shoes. Uh, and you know, Some of you ladies are doing this, look at each other right now. <clears throat> well, mother looked at her son. He was about three or four. Your shoes are on the wrong feet. He looks at his mother, looks at his feet, says, Mom, don't kid me. I know these are my feet. <laughs> it's all in how you say things. It's all in how you say it, you know. The shoes weren't on the wrong feet. It was the wrong shoes on the right feet. You see what I'm saying? So you've got to be careful how you say things. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. John uses, uh, as he's writing this, he uses some, some, some unique things about um, gardening and uh, the vineyard. And so um, it says here, I, I looked and there was before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. This is not unusual for God to mark somebody that is his. I'll never forget being in the Amish country with my dad. Dad loved to go to the Amish country. And we was in a, a tack and harness and, and leather shop, which I thoroughly enjoy. I take real deep breaths when I can get around natural leather. I just... I love the smell of natural leather. I guess it goes back to when I was a kid around horses and saddles and bridles and, and, and all of that. And so it says here that it marks, uh, marks them on the forehead. And, and you have an indelible mark on you because Jesus touches you. He's in your heart. And I had not spoke. I know this is hard for you to believe, but I had not spoke to the owner of that shop I had not spoken to any of the people. It was employees in the shop. I was just walking through the shop, picking up different leather items, looking at them, setting them back down. And my father struck up a conversation with the owner. I had gone outside and was looking at something else. And the owner said, that be your son? Yep. He said, he's a minister, isn't he? Dad was aghast. It, it, the, the, the fact that Jesus is in your heart, you walk differently, you talk differently, and you act differently. And, and these 144 people are, are going through the tribulation. They have, they have gone through hell and back. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, sometimes we say, man, I had a hell of a day. You know what I'm saying? People say, pastor, you know, they, they really say, yeah, people say that. And they think it was really bad because somebody cut them off and they got a flat tire and, and they had a bad day at work and they got fired. Believe me, hell is not going to be anything that we know about here on this earth. It's going to be absolutely horrible. But the tribulation is called the great tribulation for a reason. Because there's no other time like it. The great tribulation. The first fruits. Okay? 
I heard a sound from heaven like the roaring of a rushing water and like a loud peal of, of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of a harpist playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with a woman, for they kept themselves pure. They followed the Lamb wherever He goes. That's Jesus, representing Jesus. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits. Say it with me. First fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths, and they were blameless. What an awesome thing to be blameless. It's pretty hard. We go through life and we do some things. Sometimes they're just stupid. And guess what? The blame falls on us. But to be blameless, it means that everything is under the blood of Jesus. If you have accepted Jesus, you are the first fruits. These are the first fruits. Now you say, well, is it really just 144,000? That number stands for completion. It does, I, you know, when, when it all happens, there might be twice that many people. That, that have given their hearts to Jesus in the midst of it. It's going to be very difficult. Today we have the moving of the Holy Spirit uh, freely. As we worship, all it takes is to worship God. You know, I, that's what I was telling my brother and telling my sister-in-law. When you say the name of Jesus out loud and proclaiming it and in worship to Him, the presence of Jesus is coming to help you get through the struggles of life. And I don't know about you, but being in an intensive care unit, being in hospitals, and, and my sister-in-law has been there for four weeks. And I encourage caregivers, get outside, go hug a tree. You just say, Pastor, you know, you got to do it. You just got to do it. Your loved one's crying for you. Go hug a tree because you're just dying on the vine, and you got to be strong in order to help them through the struggles. And so part of that is, is to take care of yourself. Eat, drink, good quality water, and, and go out and hug a tree. They say that nature, I, I mean literally, if you can't go outside and hug a tree, bring a plant in and hug the plant. I mean, get it up to your face. Feel the leaves. Put your hands in the dirt. You say, Pastor, I'll have a green thumb. Well, get a I don't have a green thumb. Get a brown thumb. Get next to nature because now they're continuing to understand that your body stress level goes down and stress leaves you when you can touch nature, when you can be involved in it. So pulling weeds in the front yard is good for you. I know some of you didn't want to hear that, but you know, so be it. It's too late. It's already been said. But these 144,000 it's just talking about a completion. You take 12 times 12, and you add up the numbers, it comes out to 144,000. That represents 12 tribes. It's, this includes uh, Jewish folks as well as Gentiles. Some argue, no, it's just only Jewish folks. It, the thing is, is that with Revelation, it's, it's a lot of interpretation. Okay? And so you take what the bulk of Bible studies, people come together, the theologians, and you try to take the cream of the crop and do the best you can. But please, don't go to work Monday morning and get at the water fountain and start arguing about the 144,000 with somebody. I mean, it, it, it's meaningless. It's a good time to say amen. amen. Thank you. Verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, 
And he had an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who lived on the earth, to every nation, tribe, and language, and people. Who's left on earth? Nobody. Everybody has this opportunity to hear the gospel. There's no one that doesn't hear this gospel as this angel proclaims. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torrent rises over ever and ever. There is no rest uh, uh, day or night for those who worship the beast and his images or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest with their, from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. You have to understand, this is after the rapture of the church. So these people have gotten saved. And it's talking about the cup of wrath. When we look at the agricultural image of, of this, it's the first fruits, it's the, it's the cup of wrath or, or the wine, and, and then there's the next session will be called the reaping. The cup of wrath is that image borrowed from Jeremiah. Jeremiah had talked about that. God pours out his wrath on those who, who follow the beast and reject God's truth. What's going to send you to hell? Not God, yourself. What will send you to hell is when you say, no, I don't want anything you have for me. And so we, we, we've got to understand something here. The, the, the wine and the cup of wrath. When, when you uh, made grape juice back then in, in order to prepare it to be fermented, they had a, a large stone hollowed out rock and I'm glad I didn't have that job to do. It would be really hard to take a chisel and chisel out a rock. But, and then they would put the grapes in there, and they would stomp the grapes barefooted, and it's the trotting out of the juice, the trotting of the grapes. It's, it's, and it's, what that means is, is that the wrath of God is the trotting out. It's, it's difficult work. It's torturous. It's painful to be involved in the cup of wrath. And the cup of wrath is going to be for those who reject God, don't want anything to do with God. The people that are saved in this situation, it says that the, the, those who have patient endurance on the parts of the saints, these are people that after the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit flows evenly and gives us con, uh, conviction and, and gives us a, a comfort through the Word and through our lives today, it's freely, freely flowing. But when the rapture takes place, the spirit beings, you and I, will be taken out of this world as we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We will go to be with God. The Holy Spirit will not be in full measure in our world. And so what's left is, is hardness and darkness and, and not the love of God. But people will come to know God 
And it says God will keep them. That doesn't mean that he will keep them from death, torment, persecution, struggles, and trials. It means it will keep them from judgment. They won't be judged for their sins because they have Jesus in their hearts even during the tribulation. It's going to be very difficult. Many of them who come to know God during the tribulation will give their lives. They will be martyrs. They will lose their life. But what does the scripture say? It says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. When you know Jesus and you die, you are blessed. It's a blessing. And, and through life, I've, I've often wondered, how can you say that death is a blessing? Now that I've been around a few days, believe me, for some people, death is a blessing. When the pain level gets so high that nothing works, death becomes a blessing. Verse 14, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud. Seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man. And a crown of gold was on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. I am supposed to have a sickle somewhere in my menagerie of of stuff. And I wanted to find it so bad, but my brain just would not let me know where it was at. And so I wasn't about to spend two days trying to find it. But a sickle is a bent piece of, of metal. It has a handle on it so that when you take it through the grain, it cuts it. And, and yes, I have used a sickle. Weed eaters are a modern invention. Okay? But a sickle is for cutting grain. And, and shocking it, and that doesn't mean you take electricity and shock it. It means that you stack it together and put a twine around it and stand it up there. And so this sickle, the, the angel came out of the temple, called a loud voice to him who was sitting in the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time of reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who has seated on the clouds swung his sickle, over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had a sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because the grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and throw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside of the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising at the height of a horse's bridle for a distance of 180-some miles. 180-some miles is the total distance of all the Holy Land. Bridles, a bridle is, is what you put on the, the head of the horse. And so whatever that is, uh, horses are measured with hand breaths. Some of them are seven, eight foot, eight hands, nine hands. And that measurement is probably about 36 to 40 inches is where the bottom of the bridle would come uh, for that much, that much blood for 180 some miles. Again, it's revelation. 
So you have to say, is it really that deep? Probably not. Is it really that long? Probably is. But it's probably just a stream of blood. But still, it's all those who've been on the face of the earth that refuse. It's the battle of Armageddon. It reflects to the battle of Armageddon and how ugly that battle is going to be. God is allowing the seeds of sin to grow and produce a harvest. Sin will grow and produce a harvest. I've watched people do stupid stuff. And I'm saying, you know, someday there will be a harvest for their stupidity. And I really don't want to be there to see them get the harvest. Because when you do stupid stuff, stupid stuff comes back to you. The world will reap what it has sown. Now, when, when you get people that are, are proclaiming uh, difficult things that are way out there in our society, and some of them are political leaders, just know that what they're proclaiming, if they don't get their heart rights with God, they will reap a harvest of what they have sown. You cannot plant corn and expect to get green beans. It just doesn't work. And so if you're going to plant sin, you're going to reap sin unless you go to Jesus and say, God, forgive me for the seeds I've sown. Help me to do better and and repent and confess and walk away from that sin and walk towards God. The vine of the earth is ripened and one day God will apply the sickle. Meanwhile, the branches of the true vine shall be bearing more and more fruit. The true vine is those who are serving Jesus. And and how do you do that? You ask Jesus to help you. Are you perfect? Absolutely not. I kept telling my my sister-in-law this the last week and a half, and I said, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm just forgiven. And and I want to encourage you. Uh, Yesterday, I, I went to... A, a car show, and then I, I showed up, and I saw a lot of bikes. I thought, well, the cars are somewhere. No, there was no cars. It was just a beer party with 45 bikes. And I thought, do I really want to go into that mess? I said, absolutely want to go into that mess. So here's a quick can in this hand and a Assemblies of God church car show in this hand. And they all took them, and I all got on out of there. They need to get Jesus as well. And so when the leathers come into church and, and all the paraphernalia that goes with that and their language isn't very good, love on them. Leave that hat on their head. Don't say, this is the house of God. You've got to respect God. Take that hat off, young man. Let God take care of that. Oh, but they don't smell very good. Let God take care of that. Yeah, but you know what? I don't, I don't want to be associated with that then you better get right with God because we're trying to get people to go to heaven. And sometimes you, they have to go through some stuff. And so I want you to start asking God to give me a heart for people like you have a heart for people, God. I mean, what would you do if God said, you know what, before you were saved, I, I just really don't want nothing to do with you. God loves us. He loves the sinner. He hates our sin, but He loves us. And so it's important that we begin to take on an attitude that we're going to love whoever walks through the doors of this building. Whoever God brings on this parking lot for the car show, we're going to love them. We're going to love them. And that's what people tell me 
when I'm out there passing out flyers. Your church people love on each other and they love on us and we love coming. You can't outgive God. You say, well, pastor, if, if we were doing such a good job, we ought to have the church full with all those car people. We just love on them. God will give us fruit. God will bring people in. And, and, and we got a new youth pastor coming, and guess what? He's going to bring some kids in that's going to be a little bit rough around the edges. Yep. <laughs> Praise God. Brandon, do you think you can love them when they're rough around the edges? There we go. <laughs> And, and, and that's what we do. We just love on people. And and we don't do it in our own strength. Well, Pastor, I just don't know if I can do that. You, you, you cannot. Let me just tell it right now. You cannot in your own power love like Jesus loves unless Jesus loves inside of you and gives you the ability to have eyes like Jesus. Last night, I was down at Belton. And... Uh, Little Chevy, Chevy, Bel Air, probably a 60. And it had cancer real bad. It needed some chemo. I mean, it was real bad. And the guy had just started to, to work on it. You know what I'm saying? And it was just rust from one end to the other, and headlight here, and this gone, that gone. And it was just rough. And a couple, a husband and wife, was standing there kind of walking through the show, and they just kind of backed up, and they said, yeah, I kind of remember that, and you know. But the guy who owns that is not seeing the cancer. What's driving him is the final product. When, when all the body putting, all the metal's been, been welded back in, and, and all the, the sanding, and, and all the primers coats, and then the final coat, and then, and then the clear coat, which makes it shine, and you do that two or three times, and you hand sand it all down. That's what he's seeing. Well, I want to encourage you that God still sees you as a perfect, clean model and He's going to polish you up if you'll just let Him. Amen. Come on. Father God, thank You for this day. Lord, help us to take our hands off of ourselves and allow You to take our cancerous spirits. Our, our spirit, Lord, that is just rusted out, wore out. Our attitudes that don't reflect the love of God. Lord, we give it to you. We give you our sin. And Lord, you give us peace deep within. When we give you our sin, you give us peace deep within. And Lord, we realize that we're nobody. But Jesus loves us. And that makes us somebody. And when we can apply the blood of Jesus to our lives, then we're adopted into the family of God, and we're yours, Lord Jesus. We are yours, set apart for kingdom use. And you have taken all the rust out of us. You've, you've taken all that. You've put new metal in. You've given us a new heart, a new attitude, a, a new vision, a new drive. And Lord, the paint is coming on, and, and the finish coat is coming on. And Lord, you're buffing us out so that we'll look good in your sight because you can take broken pieces and make something beautiful out of it only by your grace and your mercy. And so God, I just ask for your grace and mercy to come among us today and help us to realize, God, 
we haven't arrived yet. We're not perfect. We're still humans, just forgiven.